welcome to another episode of the Semicast. Anthony's back from the place he went the other day. I actually found out that I didn't actually know where you were going because somebody asked me, so where is Anthony? And I was like, he, he's away somewhere? Where'd you go? How are you? You're back. I went. I'm back. Who asked you where I went first? My wife. Oh, okay, good. I was wondering whether we had a celebrity stalker or something oh, no. like that. No, just she just went, so where'd he go? And I'm like, hmm. I'm a, somewhere else? I don't know. Yeah. So we got in the car and we went east. Um, we've been west plenty of times. Sometimes even with you, we went west yeah. to Warnable and places like that. Um, mm, and we decided we'd go east. Cool. As east as we could go for a short time there. The rest of Victoria was the western suburbs to us. <laughs> Camberwell, Glen Iris, Turak, western suburbs of Melbourne. They are technically Western suburbs to us. They are a bit westy. Lots of people hanging around in their McMansions wearing um, moccasins. Moccasins, yes. (laughs) Moccasins are always the sort of go-to stereotype. It's only a stereotype because it's true, and I can tell you that from living in the western suburbs, that I've seen it around. I've seen it. Is it still true, or is it not true anymore? It's getting less and less true, but it's still an element of the western suburbs that is that way. Yeah, moccasins have been replaced with punching. <laughs> yeah, you know, punching and right. stabbing. I once almost went to work with my moccasins on, and that was only because I was driving my car and I had to stop and get petrol at the petrol station near home, and I stepped out of my car <laughs> and I went, that's pretty comfortable. And I looked down and I was like, oh, I've got moccasins on. What the hell am I doing? I'm upholding this Western suburb stereotype. And for a you split are. second, I thought, oh, I could just get it. No, go back and change your shoes. Mm. So, yes. It can happen to anyone. Yeah. So, we ended up in Malakuta, which is about as far east as you can go. Yeah. Then worked our way. Uh, well, actually, apparently these small towns, these sort of resort towns, when it's not strictly school holidays, like the last week of school holidays, they tend to close, like everything closes. All <laughs> right. Okay. I'm sure you've heard of Gabo Island. Yes. Yeah, we were going to go there, but they closed the whole island. Like, so, it's like- the Monday fish and chip shop closure, but for the whole island. Yeah, they were removing asbestos from the dock there or something like that. So, they just said, we're just shutting it all. So, what do the people do who live there? Do they just stock up for the day and just go, all right, well, nothing else is going to be open? They probably own boats and they can probably just land anywhere. Oh, right. Okay. I did do some, like there were people renting out kayaks and boats and I did do some rough calculations with Google Maps. <laughs> if we hired a boat here, maybe we could just go. Can anyone stop us from just getting off the boat and yeah. going onto the island? Welcome to Silent Hill. Yeah, pretty much. Show up, it's all foggy, radio's crackling. Yeah. It's like, uh-oh. Strange woman who looks exactly like my wife following me around. Yeah. Who is probably your wife. Yeah, it was probably my wife in this case. Yeah. Um, so, we went to go to a World War II bunker and that was only open on Tuesdays during the school holidays. So. You would think a bunker should be open all the time. You shouldn't have to go, yeah. hey, oh, wait, we can't have a war yet. It's closed. Yeah, so my wife was a little bit annoyed at that. So I said, tell you what, let's find some other things to do in nearby towns. And we'd meant to go north after going east up through New South Wales. And so we we figured out that we would go to, uh, there's a museum at Eden, a a killer whale museum. Because apparently, I didn't know this, but killer whales for whalers in Victoria were kind of like, oh, sorry, in New South Wales, were kind of like sheepdogs. And they they would herd the other whales sort of close in. And then the whalers would kill them, and then the killer whales were allowed to eat the tongue and the lips off the other whales, and then the whalers could take the rest. How could they police that? How could they just go, no, 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 you killer whale, you don't, no, don't eat the rest. Oh, it. it was actually written into a law. 
that if you're a whaler, you had to, and a killer whale helped assisted you in a kill, you had to let it eat the lips and the tongue. That's awesome. So, like a sheepdog would be named Bluey, would these be mm. like Whitey? They all had names. Right. The head of the killer whale pod was called Old Tom. Wow. This is like some Moby Dick shit. Yeah, no. they And so, Old Tom died at one stage, uh, and so they pulled him ashore and I guess rendered him, and now his bones are in the killer whale museum. That's cool. In Eden. I had no idea that they used to use killer whales for hunting other whales. No. Wonder when that became no, taboo. That was fun because like you couldn't so do we- that now, or could you? No, because it's not. like another whale is leading it. It's like, hey, we're not doing it. It's the other whales, and they just happen to be rounding them up and killing yeah. them. <laughs> I think the part where you have to have the huge vats for rendering the blubber and everything like oh, that. Oh right, okay. <laughs> it kind of gives it away. Yeah, yeah. Oh well. So then we headed to Marimbula, and we couldn't remember what we were going to do in Marimbula, so we went to the tourist information desk. And we said, we're here for an hour or so. What can we do? And they said, oh, you can walk up and down the boardwalk. And we thought, well, that's a bit dumb. So we walked up and down the boardwalk. And I'd taken the tourist information newsletter. And then I remembered that they have an aquarium there. And that's what we planned to do. And the lady at the tourist information thing didn't tell us about the aquarium. She told us about the freaking boardwalk. Was the lady very nice? Was she um, yeah, like, welcoming? Yeah, she was trying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's just the main requirement for a welcome center is to have a friendly person there. Even if yes. they don't know anything about their surrounding towns, it's like, well, you're like the happiest of everyone here. You get to be the welcome person. Yeah. The weird thing is, is that Malakuta that has very little, it's like a sleepy sort of caravan park town. Yeah. They have this huge tourist center, a Marimbula that was like peak hour in the suburbs, just during the day, there was nowhere to find parking or anything. Yeah. That just had this shack with some people in it. Yeah. It's like- you two should swap um, tourist information centres because obviously Marimbula <laughs> needs the larger one. Well, you know, they've each got so their we own went to the- certain small town charm. Yeah. So when you were saying that those places were, you called them small resorts or resort towns, mm. when does yeah. it stop being a country town and start being a resort town? Because out west we would probably call them country towns. When it's close to the beach. Oh, okay. Is that just the technicality? We just need more beaches guess, yeah. and then we can just be a little bit more classy. I don't think you can have an inland resort. Maybe if you have it on a lake, you possibly could. You can resort do that. seems to indicate being close to a body of water. I suppose. I don't think being close to the wetlands in Laverton, <laughs> that's not, it's not, not a resort. Or you just don't want to be in the Werribee resort. <laughs> no. It stinks a little bit. So anyway, we went to the aquarium and that was horrifying for... A wide variety of reasons to me. I have a phobia of going into the water and so seeing things like, or going into deep water, so seeing things like octopi and yeah, yeah. stingrays and things like that. It's like, yeah, now that I know that you're down there. And, and like even just regular fish because like some of them were really big. Have you been to <laughs> the Melbourne like, Aquarium? No. So did this aquarium have the tunnels that you walk through? So you, there's like water no. all the way over the top. You should or shouldn't yeah. ever go to the Melbourne Aquarium because it's like you're just walking. See, that seas. wouldn't bother me. Really? Because the yeah, because the glass is there. It's like if you there, so we're going to put you in the tank. One, I would probably do it because my fear isn't quite that strong. Yeah. But two, there's still that thought in the back of my head that says fuck the ocean and everything in it. You can swim with the sharks in Melbourne Aquarium. They can they yeah, can put you in with them. There's a, a great deal of study that's gone into sharks and, and and why they occasionally mistakenly bite humans, so no. <laughs> it's just not because they get annoyed. It's like, fuck off. I'm trying to sleep. My house. No, they, get out they of my just house. mistake you for a seal. Okay. So then we went up to uh, Bega after that. And, um, did they have cheese? To, like, they did. We went to the cheese factory and they had a bit of a Piss Week World Museum there, if you're familiar with the late show from yeah, the yeah. 90s. Yep. 
But the interesting thing was they had like, you know, Beegers cheese grades. It goes all the way up to like Old and Bitey, which is their sort of sharpest tasting yep. tasty cheese. That's the one I buy. They have one above that. It's only available from the, the Bega Cheese Museum called Bega Heritage Reserve. Mm. Uh, and we different? had some, and it was sharper than old and bitey, but we didn't have any, any sort of refrigeration with us on a road trip, so we couldn't really take any home. Yeah. We were coming back from Beechworth one day, and oh, we yeah. stopped off at a cheese place in Marysville, I think, and there was a cheesery or a cheese factory. A cheesemonger. Cheesemonger. It was a big place. And my daughter really loves cheese, almost to the exclusion of everything else. And we pulled mm. up and I said, hey, we're at a cheese place. And she looks at me and says, I had a dream about this. I had a dream <laughs> I went to a land of cheese. And um, so we went to a cheese place and she was having this, such a really good time. Wow. There were a whole bunch of um, snobby yuppies standing around eating some type of cheese going, hmm, it's got kind of an ashy taste. And I'm holding... My daughter, and she just looks at the lady giving out cheese and goes, I want some of that cheese. So I pushed my way through all the fancy rich people and she got cheese and she jammed it into her mouth and they're all just looking at her like, what the hell's going on? This is like really expensive mm. cheese. And she likes really expensive cheese. So yeah, know, she was having a ball. Well, if you're ever up big away, then she would really like the little shop they've got there because they also do like milkshakes and fudge made from the local dairy stuff oh, as well. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a bit of fun and, and sort of, yeah, so then we just wound our way back to Melbourne through Meetung, Warburton. Uh, I'm not doing this in order if anyone's paying no, attention. Right. Uh, Port Albert, where we stayed at a, um, so like Albert. a fishing, no, not a Prince Albert. Okay. A fisherman's shack that had been sort of like, I guess, restored and had sort of modern amenities placed in it. Yeah. And we got, went to get fish and chips on the pier. The fish and chip shop on the pier didn't do hamburgers, so we went to the oh, pub that blasphemy. also does fish and chips. And the guy who owns the pub has like an old 80s Ford limousine with a bull bar on the front. Oh, and cool. he will drive you home if you've had too much to drink, because honestly, Port <laughs> Albert's not that too large a place. Is the bull bar for knocking over other drunkards who are in his way Probably, late at night? I don't know. I don't know. It was a strange place because like you look at the map of the town that they've got in like, hey, here's your information board that's, in, you know, those things that are around everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And our street connects with a street, and we're staying on Queen Street, it connects with a street further up. But one house up from us, there's just a big thing that says road closed and there's just like a swamp wetlands thing and it's almost like they went to develop it but just never got that far. <laughs> and so they drew up all the maps and everything, but the road doesn't actually go there. It's sort of been slowly reclaimed by the- um, The swamp? By sort of nature, yeah. It's like, oh, we, what's the um, Monty Python thing? Uh, we built a castle in the swamp. Yep. Fell, fell down. Over. And we built another one. And that one stayed and up. it fell down. Oh. <laughs> it burnt down and then fell over. Yes. So they've tried to build things there and it's just, nope, it's just the swamp. That's just the swamp end uh, of town. Don't so I spoke there. to my wife's dad who knows everything. Yeah. Uh, and I think what he said was there was supposed to be a ferry that stopped there from somewhere else, but um, you mean, its destination got moved. You mean a ferry, not a ferry. A ferry. Sorry, it's my northern suburbs accent. Oh, la-di-da. Everything's a ferry yeah. or an angel. You're a ferry. I am. <laughs> but it ended up being sort of the port was never built, so- the interest in the town's significantly less than it was actually supposed to be. So they had all these plans, but never put any of them into uh, action. It would have been way more interesting if it had had a fairy. Yeah. It would be just like when I played Zelda on the train, I'd have to hide it from everybody else. Yeah, because those fairies are special. Hmm. So that was our holiday. Cool. We did 2,000 kilometers in my wife's 
a crappy day we Lanos because my car was being fixed at the time. Oh, right. Okay. And it survived, um, did it? Yeah, it did. It's just that every time we tried to do something, it was just, oh, yeah, we'll go there. And you'd sort of drive on the freeway and then you'd turn off down a, a very badly sealed road and then eventually it would just turn into a dirt road and it's like, well, you want a new car <laughs> and this is shortening the life of this car, so you're going to get your new car sooner. This car could rattle apart at any second. Yeah, pretty much. You need to tighten every single bolt on that thing now. They're all yeah. just a little bit looser. It was serviced just before we left. I'm thinking of taking it straight back and telling them what we did and asking them to have another look at it. <laughs> it's like, so you've done the, the 15,000 Oh, no. No, we've just driven it on dirt roads. You know it's yeah. not for that. You needed to just get a lift kit for it and some giant tires and then you would have been fine. Just a four-cylinder Korean piece of junk. That- yeah. If my wife is actually listening, you're, I don't actually think your car is a piece of junk. This is never supposed to do the things that we made it do on that holiday. <laughs> it's not an F-150, let's put it that no. way. Or it's not a, yeah. a Land Cruiser. It was meant There's for sealed like, roads. People screaming down these dirt tracks in their four-wheel drives, and we're sitting there going down there at like 30k an hour because, you know, anything more than that. And if we hit too much corrugation in the road, the car tries to shake itself apart. <laughs> Did they just look at you and shake their heads? It's like, what the fuck are these guys going? And you're like, no, it's yeah. fine. We're going well. It's all right. Was Something like yeah, that. See. My wife actually has a little phobia of um, of dirt tracks because uh, she, she comes now. from the country. Yeah. No, well, no, she did beforehand because she comes from the country and she has three older brothers mm. who were uh, a bit blasé about driving carefully. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Getting sideways bringing, bringing, on dirt tracks. Yeah. Bringing the back of the car around was a regular occurrence. Right. Okay. Back of the car is now the front of the car. For just a yeah. split second. <laughs> she just got some trail bikes and just went down that way. Yeah, they had a lot of... Well, what were we all watching? There was a quad thing bikes. that they, they had a lot of warnings about quad bikes. Like the like TV in regional Victoria and New South Wales is very different to TV <laughs> in um, the city. For one, there's a lot of ads about mining and how awesome it is. Like right, yeah. Every ad break, they'll play one of those mining is great ads. Welcome to Mineco. Um, and there was this really sort of, like, have you ever been sort of scarred by an ad, like, when you are a kid? Is um, there any ads that you can remember that- I can like, remember. remember. the Grim Reaper AIDS one? I've never been scarred by it, but I know a lot of ads. Like, they're ingrained, like, my dad yeah. picks the fruit that goes to Coddy's, makes the cordial yes. that I love best. Right, uh-huh. so you've never been really, you're never really scared by an ad when you were really young. No. I reserve my petrified nature of a child for my cousin's toys. He had a couple of toys that really freaked me the fuck oh, out. Oh, right. Like that monkey okay. with the symbols, with the, be- oh, with the yes. beady eyes. And this was uh, yeah. I was petrified of that. I would cry and run away. <laughs> and he had this other doll that was like, it was called Hugo. And it was like a face identikit doll where it was a blank slate, but then you could stick eyes on it and you could stick yep. scars. And, fa- and I was petrified of that thing too. So I ran and hid whenever they played with that. Yeah. So, no, not ads, just toys. So, anyway, there's this ad about this guy driving a quad bike on a farm and it tips over yeah. and then the screen goes black and you just kind of slowly hear him choke to death because his neck's broken. <laughs> and I'm thinking, God, this is traumatic for me. What's it like if there's a little kid yeah. who's up watching TV? Well, apparently quad bikes are dangerous. Like, quad bikes- Yeah, so that that's why we didn't hire them. They just get a hearse whenever they hear someone getting on one and they hear it start up. They go, oh. <laughs> Let's get the hearse out because this guy's going to die. Is that like how the old 1980s Lamborghinis would be shipped with coffins in their boots? <laughs> Were they? Yeah. Well, that that's the running joke. Oh, right, I think okay. I had it on, had it on Top Gear or something like yes. that, is it? Because this car goes fast and it doesn't turn real good, nor yeah. does it have good brakes, so you're going to wrap yourself around a tree sooner or later. Yeah. I saw a Lamborghini Contash once when I was young, 
and I was really excited because that was my favorite Transformer mm. Sideswipe. And he was Lamborghini Contash. And uh, the back window of a Lamborghini Contash is not that big. It's probably half the size of an A4 page. It's just this little yeah. slit. And I think as, the way as that- much as is legally required. Yeah. And I think the way that you would actually back up in that is to open up the door because they had those very vertical <laughs> lifting and just poke your head out and then back back that way. I've seen yeah. that being done before. Just hope you're not backing back under a low bridge or something. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think the side window's opened either. Yeah, so that was our holiday. Cool. What did you get up to? Um, nothing really. I was tried to do some streaming, and my internet has just been absolutely terrible for the past couple of weeks. Ah, um, uh, good old Australian internet. Yeah, considering that I'm paying for the faster internet and I'm not getting it, I'm thinking of just dropping it back down to the not faster version of the internet because that's all the speed I'm getting. Mm. And because I'm on cable, I'm not guaranteed to get the speed that is advertised. It depends on the amount of people on the line. So. Who knows? I don't think you're guaranteed on ADSL either. No, okay. you're guaranteed on the MBN. Okay, you just guaranteed something. You guaranteed you, a you're guaranteed to pay for a connection. That's yeah, what yeah, you're okay, guaranteed fair for. So I tried that a few times and then it didn't work. So I haven't actually done the last two Friday Night Fights. I didn't get to stream right. out playing through Final Fight or Double Dragon, which I was planning mm. on as well while you were away. So I didn't get to do anything that really that you were away. I just played some games myself quietly in the office here. And hopefully yep. we can make some use of them right now because I didn't get to post anything. Did you play anything while you were away? Did you see you didn't no. see any fish and chip shop arcade machines that you wanted to have a go no. at or any pinball machines I, in pubs or anything? I did not touch a video game while I was away. Okay, cool. Just some um, driving games. Yeah, basically I played Daytona USA for a week. Cool. <laughs> without a break. Yeah. There's probably a better game that I can relate it to than that because in Daytona I used to drive or turn around and drive backwards down the track. But That's not how you should drive on freeways around here. No. no. <clears throat> but you can do that in the new Mario Kart apparently. You can. Have you picked up the new Mario Kart yet? I have picked up the new Mario Kart or as I prefer to call it, Connection Refused. Oh, really? You, you haven't been able to play yeah. any online games? No. I've mostly been playing with myself so it's a very familiar feeling. Okay. Because I can play online if I'm in the front room because that's closer to our wireless <laughs> access point because right here in the office the uh, switch doesn't actually get wireless internet that well. Mm. I, I get occasionally get one little dot and I can't connect to the store so if I ever want to buy anything I have to pick it up out of the dock walk into the lounge room and sit on the couch for a while and do my purchases of the Neo Geo games I want to buy and then walk back to the office and play them. Well, I'm so, sitting almost within arm's reach of my router here, and this is where I tried it. So. Oh, wow, okay. I have noticed that the Switch's wireless does seem to be a bit spotty at times. Okay, well, hopefully something that they fix with the firmware update, because it's been all right for me if I'm in the right spot. It's probably just not, hmm. this probably just doesn't have a powerful antenna in there. They've probably done the joystick, I've, oops, we've put the antenna in the wrong spot inside the Switch as well. Yep. I don't know. We, we put it in a place that's completely surrounded by metal and concrete. Yeah. And now it's not working. Yeah. Oh, actually, one thing. We did go to the Bucken Caves when we went on- um, Sorry, you went to the holidays. Bucken Caves. Bucken Caves, yeah. Not the Buchan Caves, as my wife thought. <laughs> um, to which her friend corrected her and said, listen, it's not Buchan, it's Bucken. And then she said a word that sounds like Bucken, <laughs> as if to demonstrate. Ducken. Yes, but if you want a place with no wireless or mobile reception, big-ass limestone caves are a real good start. When I was young, we went to, I think it was Point Nepean, where they have, yep. there's kind of a fort there, I think, I believe. I don't yep. know. I can't remember. It was so long ago. All I can remember from my trip to Point Nepean when I was young is we went with another family, a friend of ours, and me and this other kid, we decided that it'd be funny if 
we switched off all the lights in the tunnel because we found the switch to the lights. Uh-huh. And there were like a lot of families and a lot of other people in the tunnel <laughs> suddenly plunged into complete darkness. <laughs> and we thought it was hilarious. And apparently, How- it's not hilarious. <laughs> we got into a bit of trouble because of that. It causes panic. Oh, yeah. So, you know. How angry was your dad at you then? <laughs> I don't think they were that angry. My my mum and dad never super got really, really angry at me. For I can remember that the other kid, he got into a lot of trouble from his dad. And I was like, man, I'm lucky I didn't get into that much trouble. And <laughs> maybe I was just oblivious to the fact that I was still actually in trouble. But mm. yeah. Uh, you didn't switch off any lights in the Bucking Caves? No, but- um, Plunge them into Bucking Darkness? No, the guide, Greg, who's an older chap, reminded me of my wife's dad. Yeah. He pulled a little kid called Juanit out of the tour group and said that Juanit was the leader of the expedition and he would give Juanit instructions and tell him to, you know, go through the tunnel, up the stairs, turn to the left and there'll be a white plastic box there and wait there for him. And, you know, they were the controls for the lights, much like the ones that you touched. Did he switch them off? No. Oh, the kids nowadays, they don't know how to have fun. No. Well, actually, he was the, he would have had to switch them on because they turn them off when there's no touring group going through just because the limestone caves are ah, right. sort of precious about light. Uh, but he would say, uh, in the tunnel ahead, one eat probably won't have any problems walking through, but Greg will have to duck. And it was his way of telling the adults, that, hey, the tunnel's very small up ahead. And in some of them, I was like crouching down yeah. with my arms pressed in against my side, sort of shuffling through this tiny little gap. And thinking that if someone did turn the lights out right now, that would be it for me. (laughs) (laughs) So, you're lucky that I wasn't around when I was young. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Right. Did Greg, the tour guide, make any bucking jokes while he was doing the tour? He goes, hey, switch on the bucking lights. We did two tours back to back. There was the Royal Cave and the Fairy Cave. Yeah. Um, As in the Fairy Cave or the Fairy Cave? Fairy Cave. All right. It would be weird to name a cave after a fairy. Or Probably. a fairy, in this case. Yeah. Um, so, but people asked pretty much the same questions, and he had pretty much the same anecdotes. Oh, right, okay. It's just a routine. So, yeah. Oh, the life of a tour guide. Just, have to, yep. just having to say the same thing over and over again. So, yeah, that, that was fun. But, yeah, Mario Kart 8, I got when I got back. Um, I showed the same amount of self-control that I had when you said that you had a Switch. Yeah, yeah. And now that you told me that you had Mario Kart 8, I just went out and bought it. I bought it on the day it was released. It's mm. a pretty good version of that game, I think. Yeah, no, I'm I'm quite enjoying it. I'm looking at the little... I wish there was just a, a way for the game to sort of validate some of your skills, like drifting and things like that, rather than just watching a little video and trying to get it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, um, I was still in the mode of the GameCube Double Dash way of getting the sparks going, because you, didn't you no, have yes. to hit left and right to get those you going? You did, yes. And I was doing that. And I was trying to explain to my son how to get sparks. I'm going, so like you flick it left, then you have to flick it right. Then you have, and he goes, no, you just have to hold the way. And I was like, <laughs> what, really? And then I did it. And I'm like, oh, okay. They've simplified sparks mm. and added a new layer of sparks. You can get pink sparks now. Yeah. No, I haven't got pink sparks yet. Um, they are there. They give you an extended boost time. They've mostly just been me sort of um, racing against my own ghost and doing Grand Prix at the moment. Yeah, I'm slowly unlocking car parts and doing Grand Prix. I've got a pro controller, so I've been playing it with that most of the time. So just docked yeah. on the TV pro controller. Uh, although I have played it tabletop mode. I played that with my daughter with the two little Joy-Cons on their side. And that yep. still worked. I mean, it wasn't ideal. The screen's very tiny. And when you have to have that tiny screen doing split screen, it's not the greatest. You kind of have to really, really be concentrating. But that works. We've also done a three-player match 
with one Pro Controller and two Joy-Cons with the little snap-on side little sections. And that works. I actually had one of the Joy-Cons and my son had the Pro Controller and I was still winning some matches. So it's not the ideal way to play it, but you can definitely get the job done with some Pro Controllers. Played two-player split yep. screen on TV. Every, all the different modes seem to work really well. And I also haven't had any problems with online Except for the fact I thought yeah. I was going really, really well. Like my first match online, I won. I came first, was fine. Then the second match, I shot straight to the front again and I did my first couple of corners. And I, I was thinking to myself, maybe I'm actually really good at Mario Kart. And the second I thought that, I got hit with a shell and then I finished that match 12th. So I'm not good at Mario Kart. Go. I just happened to maybe lock that first one out. Sounds like it. But um, it's kind of like when I matched against a guy in Street Fighter Five for the first time and actually managed to hit him and thought I might be actually good at Street Fighter Five. <laughs> nope. I did that on the Marvel vs. Capcom Three Ultimate stream. We did the Friday night fights. I did an online match and got my ass handed to me and only managed to hit the guy once or twice. And then I said, "We're not going to do that anymore. We're going to just jump back into playing single player because it probably wasn't yes. helping the fact that I was trying to stream out at the same time and the internet was not that great. <laughs> he probably couldn't hit you because you were lagged. Yeah, probably. Have you noticed in Mario Kart that the steering assist is on by default? Yeah, I've noticed bits where I've been flying and it, I've hit a point at which it says you need to be on the ground now. It's kind of just shunted me onto the ground really oh, quickly. okay. I've never had that. I've actually been able to travel really, really far flying, but I've actually... So, by default, if you try to drive off the edge of something or if you try to hit something it kind of half steers you around those things it like won't let you fall off the edges and if you're about to hit a wall it'll kind of edge you around the wall mm. which i thought was a bit weird and i because generally in mario kart i fall off things and i crash into things quite a lot but i found that there's a thing called steering assist which is on by default to help uh, little kids be able to play the game and you can turn that off, but it's not immediately noticeable how to turn it off. There's no settings where you can just set it off by default. You have to actually, whilst you're in a match, hit pause, and then it brings up the three different assist methods that it gives you. It gives you a steering assist, it gives you auto acceleration, and it gives you um, motion controls. And you can switch those off on and off individually, but you have to do it through the pause mode of a match, and you can't just set it. Generally. Does it switch itself back on when you start a new game or does it stay off? It stays off. Right. But to find the initial setting is actually really, really hard. So I suggest turning that off because actually I think I can actually drive faster without it on. Like it's not just trying to turn okay. when I'm trying to turn. It gives me more flexibility with being able to slide around corners and doing stuff like that. I'm now trying to figure out if I can sneakily boot up my Switch and do that. <laughs> yeah, you probably can. Well, we've got precedent. We've had live Switch playing on the, uh, we have. On the podcast before. And my Switch is within reaching distance right now, so... Uh, so what else have you been playing since you've been back? Because you've been back so, for a couple of days. So while I was on holidays, I was reading Metro 2033, which is a Russian yeah, science yeah. fiction novel um, about some something bad happens and the Russians retreat into their subway system and live there. And over time, sort of stations start to become like towns and groups of stations start to become like countries and... But there's all sorts of weird shit happening as well because there seems to be some kind of radioactive event that's happened. Um, Do they try to get pizza so, delivered while they're living in no. the sewers? Do they find a rat who can help no. them learn ninja? No. Stop. Okay. Stop. No. All right. So what I did is I read as far as I could in my holiday and then I came back and I played up to that point in the game. Oh, so the game follows the book. 
Yeah, but it leaves a lot of stuff out, I've noticed. Like, I, I've played through Metro 2033, the game, before. Mm-hmm. Um, and just sort of going through the book, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, this is a part where, where this happens. But they kind of miss a lot of the detail, if that makes sense. Yeah, and yeah. Because it's Russian science fiction, it's kind of a, a little bit <laughs> long-winded about things. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's sort of interesting. Well, one, Metro 2033 has an absolutely horrendous field of view, and it made me sort of nauseous to play it. Again, coming off things like Doom that had, like, a really good field of view. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny how just something like that can affect you because you don't get sick hardly ever playing games. No. You've done the whole, I'm going to live in VR for a while until I don't get sick. Yeah, I played through all of Quake 1 and Half-Life 2 in VR without getting yeah. sick. So, it's funny just how just a little setting can send it off. Yeah. Maybe it's because I'm getting older because I'd never gotten sick against uh, on Metro the last time I played it. So. Okay. So, yeah, that's still a really interesting game. The aiming is a little bit weird because of the field of view. So, sometimes, you know, it gets a little bit hard to aim. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's still a really interesting sort of place, I guess, is a, you know, a weird sort of way to describe it. A weird like world? They, they have that, yeah. They have this part in the book where the main character, he's sort of heading out for the first time from his station and he's not, he's, he's sort of like going out on his own. And so he's with these guys who are going to another station to bring aid and something happens, like he feels this pressure on his ears and he just notices that everybody else is falling asleep Mm. or sort of starting to talk monotonously. Yeah, yeah. And they're on like one of those trolley things on the the railroad that you have to pump to to move. Yep. And so he sort of pumps them out of it. But as he passes these pipes, he kind of like the pressure gets more and more on his ears until he passes them. Mm. And then it eventually gets better and better and everyone else slows, slowly wakes up. And so like the sort of what the author's trying to suggest is even though these people live in this place, there are parts of the metro where they don't know what's going on okay. down there. And so these pipes connect to something. And sort of so now as a result of that, this tunnel's not safe anymore. Yeah, yeah. So they but seal in it off. the game, it's sort of represented as like a big, light coming down the tunnel and sort of blowing everything out it's kind of difficult to rep what i'm trying to get around to saying is it's difficult to represent the sort of the nuance of the book yeah yeah the game yeah and that's sort of the first time that i've ever noticed that with a book to game conversion yeah i wonder if that's something that they could do better if it was vr like if, if you could do the pressure in the head a little bit better than just on screen yeah possibly you might want to might make a whole bunch of people sick well, maybe that's, that's part of the case. game. Maybe. That's cool. Um, so, yeah, so there was Metro. Uh, I got excited the other day or yesterday because I saw there was a patch for near uh, Automata on the PC. Yes. Uh, but it looks like it might have just been the patch for the upcoming DLC. Oh, wow. So, they're going to bring out DLC without fixing the game. Hopefully they don't. Well, looks like it. So I went through and I messed with a whole bunch of settings and read a whole bunch of forums and articles and got it to kind of like a playable yeah, yeah. level. So I'm kind of playing that now and working through the side quests and the, the resistance camp and yep. mostly attacking wild animals that I see, like moose. They're surprisingly hard to deal with once you've attacked them. Yeah, I know. Especially when you've attacked them by accident and then they attack you and you're like, what, what? Oh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. I'll have to fight you. Yeah. I was leaving them alone until I figured out that they drop stuff. <laughs> yes, they do drop crafting materials. Mm. Um, that's a good, fun game. I'm still really yeah. enjoying... I'm I'm kind of now enjoying the story more than I'm enjoying the combat. Because the one thing I don't like about that game is the camera. And I'm it, it could be because I haven't found a good camera setting. The default one just tends to get a little bit caught on things or just 
I don't know, when you're in a fight, I kind of sometimes can't make out exactly what I should be doing at a certain time. But the yeah. camera settings, uh, that's a full-ass page of different sliders and buttons and really? things. Oh, yeah. So I'm, either they know that the default camera is not the greatest and allow you to customize it to your own uh, free will, or they just that's just something that those guys do. But I haven't delved in to see if I can make the camera work. I mean, it, yeah. look, it's not a bad camera, but it's just I think it could probably be a little bit better. But the story yeah. is really, really good. It's getting... Apparently, there's multiple playthroughs. Mm-hmm. To get the full game, and I'm not finished the first playthrough yet, but things are starting to get quite interesting. Let's put it right. that way. Okay. Well, I look forward to actually finishing one playthrough. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to beating a giant robot to death with its own arm again. Oh, I haven't done that again, but hopefully. Anything else? Yeah, one I picked up really quickly was Scanner Sombre from um, Introversion, the people who did Darwinia and Multiwinia and most recently Prison Architect. Yep. And they nicked off for a weekend in the middle of prison architect development because they needed a break. And they very quickly put together a game where you're going through a cave and you can't see, but you've got like a VR ah, headset. Is it called Point and- in the game? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> it's a little kid keeps turning the lights yeah. off. Um, you've got a VR headset and a LiDAR gun. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you just shoot laser points out. And it kind of maps the cave in dots in your on your vision, like mocap so the you, cave. Yeah, pretty much. And so you can sit there and sort of really extensively paint uh, one piece of wall, or you can just get a decent idea about what the cave looks like before moving on and trying to find the exit from where you are. Yeah, yeah. And I've just gotten to the part where I'm starting to find ruins, and uh, I've got an upgrade for my lidar gun that lets me change the aperture of it, so I can either really focus on a point or spread the lasers out. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. And I've found what looks either to be like a statue or a person. I'm not sure yet, So because I can't actually see it. I can just see its little outline. Uh, so, yeah, that's an interesting one. It seems to be a very short, contained experience, and the price, I think, reflects that. It's like 5 or $6 or something that's like that. That's all right. That's something I would just just if I'm a little bit interested in it. Yeah. So, yeah, I did that, and we'll probably put a video up at some stage because it's, yeah, it's yeah. interesting to look at. Um, the other thing I played was Strafe, which was a game that uh, the publisher-developer sent across for us to have a look at. Yeah. Seems uh, to be a very 90s-ass first-person mm, shooter. Yeah. They're going heavy into the 90s side of it. Mm. So, I... Um, I've probably played an hour or two at this point, and so it's a randomised shooter. So you you go into an area that's randomised, you shoot as much stuff as you can, you collect scrap, you buy ammunition and armour with the scrap, and you move on to the next level. Now, there's a theme through the game. There's some parts of it that I don't think are randomised, like the start of each level might be the same. Yep. So there's a little like a story there, but uh, it's hard. So I haven't gotten through past the second level okay. really, and I'm not really sure how much is available in our preview copy, but I recorded a video of it this afternoon and we'll probably be popping it up tomorrow because it releases in a week and yeah, if yeah. people want to have a look at it, it's they should probably have the video available. But um, yeah. yeah, it's got a real interesting tutorial. <laughs> All right. Do you go through the <laughs> tutorial in the video? Should I be not spoiling anything yeah, in that sense? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. I think I say, yeah, because you have to see this because this is some shit. <laughs> All right. I'm actually very interested in seeing this. Mm. I got an email during the week that the pre-order bonuses have gone out and you can get the soundtrack on audio cassette and you can get a whole bunch of, I think there's a vinyl version of the soundtrack you can get. There's You can get pogs of certain elements from Stray. So they are leaning heavily into the 90s. Is that Are they going too far or does it suit the game? No. 
No, it suits the game. Okay, it's yeah, cool. Like, it, it looks 90s viewed through the lens of a modern video game engine because yep. it has some of the niceties like anti-aliasing and things like that. Like, if you really wanted to go 90s, you'd restrict someone to 640 by 480. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, possibly only have very basic lighting support and things like that. Um, Did you ever play Blood Dragon, the Far Cry 3 no. 80s thing? No. Because I think that was done well, but I think it was a little bit too self-referential inside mm. some of the jokes. And I'm just nervous that this game is going to be go down the same route. It's one a thing lot of to the stuff the style, around but- it is sort of self-referential, like yeah. the tutorial and um, the menus and things like that. But once yep. you get into the game, it hardly ever even talks about that. It's just, or it doesn't even talk about that. It just, it just says, well, here's you got there's a level full of guys and you've got all these guns. You know, whenever oh, all you've got is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well that's promising a- then. I didn't find it in this playthrough, but I found it in another playthrough where <laughs> there was a puzzle where I had to find, like, there was a, an iris scanner, mm. and I had to find the right head to open it. <laughs> so, But you can only carry one thing at a time. Right, so okay. I would trudge to some far point of the level, pick up some person's head, and then walk all the way back to the door and find it. It would go, eh, eh. So I just drop the head there and then wander <laughs> around a bit more, look for another one. So there's this pile of heads sort of growing in front of this door oh cool so, yeah that's strafe well that's good i might actually see if i can pick myself up a copy actually i'll watch your video first and see whether yeah <laughs> like i'm gonna like it that's good what about you what have you been playing uh well there's mario kart deluxe which i've been spending a lot of time with over the past couple of days uh just getting a little bit more into nia automata and that's how i'm gonna say it and you're gonna say it differently and i think that's just how it's gonna be for the rest of time fairy uh yep there's the disney afternoon collection which I picked right. up on the PS4. And that's a whole bunch of uh, NES games. Re- they're kind of remastered, but not. They're, they're still pixelated and they're still kind of true to what they looked like on the NES. But they've added a really cool feature, which I wish that they would add to a lot more of the really super hard early game remasters. So, realistically, it's a collection of old Disney games. So, there's uh, DuckTales, DuckTales 2, uh, Darkwing Duck, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Chippendale Rescue Rangers 2, and Tailspin. And because all those old games, they were hard because you bought one game and they kind of had to last and the games weren't that long. They just needed to be difficult. What they've added is a rewind button. So if you fail, you just hit the rewind button and you go back up to the point where you failed and then you can just try it again rather than having to end it and then go back to the start and then play all through all the part that you needed that you were really good at. So it allows you to see a lot more of the game. I think it's because I've bought some remasters and played them just the start bit and gone, oh yeah, I remember these are really hard and I've kind of gotten a little bit further than what I would have normally gotten and then given up because it's like, okay, well this actually involves time investment but not a time investment because it's a long game and I'm actually getting something out of it. It's just I need to master this and this just takes that element out but um, it controls the way it should. It looks really cool. There are a whole bunch of, I want to say a whole bunch, there's two. There's a TV Hmm. Um, filter and there's a computer monitor filter so you can put scan lines on it but I'm just playing it raw seeing all those last jaggly pixels on my 4K TV which is cool and it looks great on a 4K TV Uh, there's all the box art it does a really good job of explaining how each of the games operate and what you need to do and what all the power ups are they've just done a really good collection of the games and not just made it so that it worked on a 4K TV and whacked it out there uh, I think 
uh, some of the guys from the uh, Video Game Preservation Society, Frank Chafaldi and Steve Lynn, helped out on this one, getting some of the original artwork for the boxes, which have been rescanned, and just getting it up to the stage where it's a fun game to play. So that's been really good. I've been spending a little bit of time with that. So the Disney Afternoon Collection is missing what Aladdin and The Lion King. Yeah, but they were, were they Super Nintendo Genesis? They were. So this is just an NES collection. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I remember that uh, the Chippendale Rescue Rangers one, there was an old flash animation around the time that Ultima Online and um, EverQuest came out where they were promoting a fake Chippendale MMORPG game. (laughs) (laughs) So you can play as Chip or Dale and those are the two character classes. Yeah. It was quite obviously well. It was quite. A, it was a humorous video where they had written their own music and yeah, yeah. Re- even re- even reference Bill Cosby, which is a bit on the nose these days. Yeah, I know. All of a sudden, all of your Bill Cosby albums, you can't play them anymore. I used no, to really like Bill Cosby no, when I was a kid. Yeah, so did I. Well, we used to go on ho- when we would go on the type of holidays that I just went on. That's what my mum and dad would put on the tape player in the car to yeah, stop my brother and I from going mental. I used to love Rolf Harris more. and his Dulux commercials. No, British Paints. <laughs> Right. Trust you would paints. not know your place in the world if when you went on holidays, your parents put on Bill Cosby and Rolf Harris to keep you entertained. <laughs> what, now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your just entire childhood would be destroyed. Yeah, it is. It's kind of everything that I know and love is turning to shit. Um, mm. Hopefully not everything. Anyway, yeah, that's pretty much it. Final Fight, Double Dragon. Been playing a little bit more Parappa the Rapper. But that's-, that's supposedly really hard. It is. It's really hard because they haven't done any... like this. Parappa the Rapper is what the Disney Afternoon Collections not they haven't added anything to it. It is just a high definition version of Parappa the Rapper, and I think it's just one of those things that you are reminded that back then there weren't a lot of the niceties and a lot of the hand holding features, hmm. or even a lot of the feedback that you get in rhythm games. You just it goes wrong and Parappa raps bad, and then you go what? But why? I thought I was hitting it right on the thing, and there's no indication Mm. that you've missed even though you think you have hit it i think that's the reason why it's really really hard if you want that these days you have to go for like project diva x or something like that yeah ps3 or the just the ddr machines that um you have to be able to move your legs faster than a human should be able to move their legs in order to do any of that yeah Um, i played ddr not that long ago with my wife just to show off to her that yes i did used to play ddr and and how'd you go i beat her that was about it right okay (laughs) Were all the old favourite songs back still there? Boom, boom. No, it was a modern sort of machine. Okay. As a result, I didn't didn't know a lot of the songs. I found one that I knew from like Fifth Mix or something right. like that. So, so did DDR use licensed music now? Because I know when when the Dancing Stage came Mega out Mix. on Dancing Stage Mega Mix on the PS One, mm. they used licensed material. But I'm not sure whether they still do it now. No, I don't. I don't know. Actually, I haven't. Um, uh, I haven't checked into the DDR scene for a long time. Yeah. Actually, that's another thing that I did while you were away. I went to- You and- played some DDR. <laughs> no, I didn't. But I went to a meetup with some other Australian podcasters in the- oh, yeah. um, How did that go? Australian Gaming Podcast Network, which is- Checking whole- out the competition. Yeah. So, I met a whole bunch of new people and hopefully we can get some of them on guesting on the podcast in the future. But, um, yeah, a whole bunch of really good people, people who really love games, people who really love podcasts. Um, there's a whole bunch of really great podcasts in Australia for games, and which uh, some people should check out. But uh, we had a meetup at Bartronica in the city, and I got to play yep. a couple of video games there, a couple of arcade machines. So I got to got show to- them your moves. Yeah, well, I played uh, Marvel vs. Capcom on an actual original Marvel vs. Capcom machine. 
and it took me a little bit to remember how to do specials on that because they're not the double quarter circle forward punch or kick. They the single quarter circle forward. And you have to hit two buttons. I was like, why can't I do the supers? And I figured it out eventually. But I'm all right at that on an, an arcade machine. I found out, and I ended up playing against somebody as well, and I I managed to beat them. So. Reckon, well done. I reckon Friday Night Fights is doing some justice to my fighting game playing. Right. Uh, also played some NBA Jam because I can't go past an NBA Jam machine. But I, what I did find was that because a lot of my NBA Jam playing has been on the main machine, which has two rows of three buttons sideways, the original machines, which I'd completely forgotten, uh, the buttons are almost vertical or they go in a kind of a, a, a vertical arc out to the right. So turbos at the top and then you've got your pass and shoot buttons below there. And... That angle, holding your hand on that angle, I was getting a hand cramp trying to play the game. Uh, it's not as comfortable as on the main machine. Mm. But um, I won the match, so I got to do well that. Well done. Uh, play some Time Crisis, play some Galaga. If you get a chance to go to Bartronica, check it out. There's um, They've got a whole bunch of really cool machines in there. But no DDR machine. Where is it? It's on Little Flinders Street in the city. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, games are a dollar to $2 each, which is... A far cry different than when I was playing Teenage mm. Mutant Ninja Turtles for 20 cents. Cent. Well, actually, no. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was always about a dollar. I thought it was uh, Street cents. Fighter was it was not. Street Fighter was 60 cents to a dollar, depending on where you played. And Double Dragon was definitely 20 cents. Yeah. So, the thing I didn't try, and I wanted to- Next time I'm there, I might try it out. So, this is back when arcade machines were really big and there were magazines out dedicated to arcade games and I used to buy magazines on those. I had a magazine that was about, you know, had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in it and had Street Fighter and talked to a whole bunch of those type of things. And there was a trick in there for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to get extra lives when you were putting money in. And I should try it out and see whether it still works. It should still work because, I mean, it's the original hardware. And it's when you're dropping the coins in, if you quickly pushed the start button, instead of getting one credit per coin, you could get five to six, which right. was because of the, a way that there was just maybe a bug in the machine. So, And that worked because I remember trying it. Unless they've changed the coin hardware out. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. Whether to accept $2 coins. Yeah. So, not sure. I should have tried that, but I didn't. So, maybe next time. Right. Me getting okay. myself thrown out of Bartronica for ruining their machines. Yeah. <laughs> The other thing that uh, used to be around back when you have to actually put money into machines to play, I'm not sure if it would still work in other coin machines now, just not arcade machines, was uh, a mate of mine from high school. He got out of an old hot water service, a mm. one of the little clicker things that you would use to ignite the flame in a hot water service. And yes, apparently, I have heard this. If you put that next to the coin return, roughly where you, the micro switch should be, you could spark inside the coin mechanism and get free credits, mm. which um, apparently worked, but I never tried it myself. No, so, um, I, I heard that around a lot, a lot, and I'm suspicious of that because okay. the type of spark those things generates, I don't yeah. think would be strong enough to trigger the coin mechanism. And also, the coin falls quite a long way before it's actually weighed or a long way in regards to how the coin door isn't i mean i guess if you badly designed your arcade cabinet and put the mechanism right next to the coin door then yeah maybe but yeah i'm suspicious about those stories well the coin door on my arcade machine sitting behind me is super simple mechanically it doesn't weigh the coin at all i don't think it just there's Mm. uh i think it's a size thing more than anything and if it doesn't yep. hit the size, it gets rejected. And it's a super simple mechanism. And it's got literally the same micro switch as in the buttons in the coin return. And as the coin passes through 
a piece of metal, it hits the metal, and then the metal moves out of the way and clicks the um, mm. the mechanism. So maybe it depends on the coin return because there are different yeah. coin returns that have lights and they're whole plastic ones. These ones are just got a metal front and they're a metal back. And I don't know, maybe it needs a different coin return. I do have one story for a first hand story about actually getting free credits on a machine. Yes. There was an arcade, God, now I've forgotten the name of the style of, sorry, there was an Asteroids and I've forgotten the uh, cocktail cabinet, that's it. Yep. Um, at a pub where my parents would take us for dinner every now and then. I'm not going to, to out the name of the pub. But if you gave the coin mechanism a swift kick, <laughs> you, would get, you would get a credit. There you go. Maybe all coin mechanisms aren't created equal. Yeah. I reckon, <laughs> uh, thinking about it now, I reckon what was happening is that the little piece of metal you were talking about had come loose and by the swift kick just flapped it backwards and it smacked oh, yeah, the micro switch. Yeah. They should yeah. add a tilt sensor onto cocktail cabinets so that if you did that, it shut it down. Nope. A lot of your, our lives when we were kids were spent trying to figure out how to get <laughs> more of games out of arcade machines for your money. Or trying to get free lollies out of vending machines and things because mm. you know it's only between you and those lollies were separated by a pane of glass and someone yep, with a really long arm glass. potentially until they had those little doors that shut when you opened the thing to take it out yeah well that's all i've been doing uh let's move on to some news there's been a bit of news that's happened since mm. we were last together first of all apparently nintendo were reportedly going to release a mini snes surprise surprise i mean you would have had to have been silly not to think that if they we're pulling the mini NES off the shelves that they weren't going to replace it with something else. I'm sure it's going to be very, very similar. Probably short controllers again. Uh, HDMI out will probably have 30-ish games, depending on the storage yeah. you can get on one of those things. I mean, those games are pretty small anyway. Um, yeah. I kind of just wish they had have had the mini NES for sale and, until everybody who wanted one got one. <laughs> yeah. How many of those did it's they sell of- in the end? Do you know? Two million. That's all right. It is, but, you know, there's obviously still people out there who are waiting for it. Yeah, no, completely. And look, half the people are probably just buying it to have a mini Ness or a mini, one of those little cute little boxes to sit on the shelf. Mm. I mean, that's where mine will probably end up. But, you know, I'll probably try and get a, a mini SNES. But I can imagine that because everyone knows that these things are probably going to be limited, that they'll probably be harder to get. There'll, there'll be more people buying them just to sell on eBay and... It's just absolutely going to go crazy because that's also yeah. the console that had the better game library, I think. There's a lot of good games the out there. The SNES or the NES? The SNES. Uh, yeah, no, I think they're probably both about equal mm. in, in sort of my remembrance. Mm. You definitely had less sort of janky broken crap by the time the SNES came about. <laughs> you don't have like Bible story games on like bootleg <laughs> Nintendo cartridges. Yeah, yeah. But I think if you were and that, to, to and choose, that's, that's that's kind of where I where I want to be as the as the janky bootleg Nintendo cartridge world because that's where the interesting stuff happens. Well, chances are someone's going to release a janky bootleg NES shaped box that you can put your own games on, and then you can put all your janky mm. games on there. I have considered making that myself. Yeah, just don't put any of the good games on there. Just make sure that they're all only <laughs> the bad games. Maybe we could do that and just get some Raspberry Pis and some controllers and just somehow fabricate something that looks like a mini SNES and just leave it somewhere, but instead it's got, like, Billy Graham's Bible Blaster it. It's, just like, all off-brand. Yeah. And then they look really close and notice that it says, like, Nintendo or something. <laughs> it's an off-brand. It's the Nintendo Unentertainment System. Yes, it's the one. We can also make a small arcade MAME machine that's just got all of the Mahjong games on it. 
Mm. Did oh, I heard something today? How many arcade machines do you think they made worldwide for Ninja Baseball Batman? Oh, so I've never seen an original one. So no. I'm going to say quite low. So maybe yep. twenty. No, yeah, actually, a little bit higher than that. Forty-three. Yeah, I've never seen an original one. I wouldn't even know what one looked that, like. That's not very many. <laughs> Is that original machines or original boards? Uh, I think it might be original machines with the marquee and everything. Right, okay. So, they probably would have made Although more Although, I boards. don't know if they sold a conversion kit for Ninja Baseball Batman. <laughs> that was a fun-ish game. I play that occasionally. Yep. Yeah, okay. Well, there you go. A mini SNES. Um, yep. Hang on. Are we going to get a mini Neo Geo at some stage, or have we already had our fill of mini Neo Geos that were terrible, like the handheld one that came out a couple of years ago? They've not. Is it the Neo Rage, was it? I can't remember what it was called. Um, the, I think I, it was called the Neo Geo X. Yeah, okay. It was gold? Yes. Apparently it was terrible. Yeah. Um, no, they have never made a really good one of those. Yeah. It's kind of a hard thing because I wouldn't like nothing more than to have a little mini Neo Geo like the Mini NES with just all the mm. Neo Geo games on it. And I was thinking the other day that I have a fair amount of ways that I can play Garou, Mark of the Wolves. Because yep. I was th- sitting there, I was thinking, because I've got two copies of the original arcade board. I've got it on Dreamcast, although, although I don't have a Dreamcast at the moment, but I've got the game, which will make it incredibly hard to play. I've got it on PS2, the Japanese version of the PS2. I've got it on the main machine out in the lounge room. I've got it on Steam. I've got a version of it on MAME on this computer that's right in front of me, and I've also got it on just the, the Neo Geo emulator. So I've got like nine, eight to nine ways of playing that game, which was a comforting feeling for me because that's one of my favorite games. I just I like collecting different versions of that. Yeah. Just in case it goes away ever. I'm trying to preserve <laughs> it myself. It's just my one-man attempt at trying to preserve that one single game. Yep. Eventually, we're just going to render it out as a comic book or something for people to read. Yeah. So, yeah, a mini Neo Geo sounds good, but no one's ever done a really good one. We should start a Garou Mark of the Wolves zine and just like a photocopy one and just leave it leave it in, in universities. <laughs> just, <laughs> like just dodgy pictures of Rock Howard yeah. just <laughs> with these flaming wings. Those people pick, pick it up and say, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, here? exactly. It's trying to introduce people to the world of Garou Mark of the Wolves. Yeah. Just Terry Bogard <laughs> running around trying to clean up after Rock Howard's making a mess. Mm. And- yeah, so the next one is if you are like me and you know about old busted-ass strategy games, you probably know about XCOM UFO Defense or XCOM yeah. Enemy Unknown, or I think it was even just called Enemy Unknown. Or sorry, no, X was called XCOM Enemy Unknown, and then I think in Europe or America it was called UFO Defense. But Now, was XCOM is- busted or was XCOM just really hard? Uh, it was really hard, uh, but it was laughably busted in some places. Like, modern AAA gaming isn't really interesting because nothing can go wrong because the systems are so tightly compartmentalised they can only interact with each other in the way developers intended. Yeah, yeah. Where with the original XCOM, it's possible for you to land your Sky Ranger at a terror site and uh, have your first guy, who's your heavy soldier, leave the Sky Ranger. He gets mind-controlled by an alien off screen and he then just fires a rocket at his feet and blows up the sky ranger and everybody else in it yeah so a lot of people would call that a broken game but that's not really broken game that's just a game that allows things to happen yeah 
It's kind of like Crusader Kings 2 or, or Dwarf Fortress, where you can almost see the developer saying, okay, if you want to take your heavy guy off the Sky Ranger first with all of his rockets <laughs> and grenades, that's fine with me. Let's just call it a lesson. Yeah. So he is developed, Julian Gollop, who developed XCOM, yep. uh, has got a crowdfunding page up for Phoenix Point, which is a similar game to, if you think of, say, the original XCOM and XCOM Enemy Unknown, the one that came out a yeah. couple of years ago as a timeline, his one is kind of like the newer one, but closer towards um, the original one in its difficulty and its sort of oh, like scope. What was Enemy Unknown um, like? Because I never played it. XCOM? Yeah. Oh, it was really good. Okay, because I really loved yeah. the first one, the, f- the first oh. remake. No, what was the- what Oh, was no, the- no. So, Exo- oh, you're talking about XCOM 2. Oh, yes. No, I am talking about XCOM 2. Yeah, see, XCOM 2 I kind of like, but I kind of bounced off it and never finished it. Yeah, right. And I, okay. went and, I went and replayed it the other day and it crashed. Okay. Fair For enough. a while, you would show up in my game because I made a character that looked like you awesome. and a character that looked like me and Great. my wife and Chris and Randall and- <laughs> And it would try to pick characters from the character pool you had created. So I would load up a game. I'd forget I'd done it and load up a game and you'd just be sitting there in the Sky Ranger smiling at me as we <laughs> headed to the first Terror mission. God. It's like, oh, good. We're going to die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know. I didn't like XCOM 2 as much no, right, okay. as the original. I have never bought that, but I really loved Enemy Unknown. Yeah. So, yeah, this thing's called Phoenix Point. I guess the bullet point lists are... The system-wise, it's a little bit more complicated, mm-hmm. and the aliens kind of evolve in that, like, say you've got- See, the thing is, is that the humans control the skies, and the aliens control the oceans, because they crashed in there first, and right, they've taken okay. it all over, and you fight over over the land. Yep. So, at the start of the game, the aliens resemble sea life, like crabs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you beat them- they will chain, they will evolve a unit, so they might add a different weapon to it, and then- if that unit does well in missions, they'll manufacture a whole bunch of them. Whereas if it does badly, they will scrap it and you'll get something else the next time you fight. So you can you can never really have a sort of a solid counter to a unit because you might find that it's changed. Like it maybe it has more armor now or yeah, yeah. it's resistant to explosive weapons or something like that. Yeah. So that'll okay. be interesting to see. And he, he seemed to say, and it's early days, so you can't really say, well, this is the way the game's going to turn out. But he was saying that as the aliens get a more and more of a foothold on land and they have access to sort of land creatures, they will start to absorb traits from them as well. And they'll look less like sea creatures and more like, say, humans or, or something else. Okay, cool. Well, hopefully they let so, it yeah. be broken in the good way. Mm. So, yeah, I have actually backed that, so people should probably be aware that, <laughs> that That's right. I now have a stake in that game being good because I want to play it. Is that, is, is that a Kickstarter or is that a- It's Fig. Okay. What does Fig do differently? Is that the uh, one- Fig allows you to kickstart things, but it also allows you to actually invest money in it. Yeah, right. And take a return if the game sells well. Okay. But that's, that's stupid money, is it? Sorry, what do you mean by stupid money? Well, do you have to pay like way more to be an investor? Oh yeah, like five hundred to two thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Stupid money. For a- I thought you meant stupid money, and they would pay you in like fig dollars or something like that. <laughs> so, well done. We have turned a profit, and you get these kind of weird coins. Yep. You can only you spend once the alien monopoly arrive. money. Yep. Yeah. You get this Namco arcade token that Anthony got when he was in Singapore. Yes, I actually still have that around somewhere. I saw it the other day. <laughs> uh, so there's that. Uh, Nier Automata has been released in China, which was yes. um, a weird thing that apparently when it debuted, it debuted for about 40 bucks, And then shortly yeah. after release, it got changed to $80 uh, 
or eighty dollars yeah. Australian, whatever the equivalent is in Chinese money. If I can provide you with a snapshot of the near discussion forums on Steam yeah, absolutely. at the moment, it's um, basically a lot of threads that are just filled with kanji, like, and then a lot of <laughs> other threads that are saying, why is all the Asian writing here? <laughs> is it a lot of kanji and a lot of question marks after the kanji? Yeah, pretty much. I'm actually staring at one now that is kanji and question marks. <laughs> And then is there, like, English with question marks after a card? I don't know what you're saying. I'm actually looking for one that has a response. Oh, why would they do that? Oh, well, it's Square Enix as the publisher. My the, the, the best guess I've come up with is that they probably intended for it to be priced at the higher price. Oh, it just and got someone, accidentally and released? someone yeah. fucked up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> actually, someone's got- this is, God, this might have to be the- um, key image for the, for this podcast. Okay, I thought we were going someone, into letting off like steam a, sooner than later. It's just like a crap load of kanji and then an ASCII picture of a middle finger. <laughs> it's like, that makes sense no matter what language you speak. <laughs> All right, let's go for that. Get, let's get us pulled off iTunes. <laughs> I'll take a screenshot now just for you. Thank you. And yeah, there was also the PC patch which arrived, which you said doesn't really, you're really not sure what it's changed. No, they didn't release any patch notes of or course. anything like that. It's di- difficult to they know did whether the like- uh, Nintendo patch notes, which was um, we've just improved some quality of life. But, but this is this is terrible compared to that. And I'm wondering, is it Platinum that's doing this, or is it Square Enix? Or yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Well, it's been running okay on PS4. Yeah, well, you you, you would expect that. All right, that's uh, kind of where their uh, strengths have been. Yeah, yeah. sort of console. Unfortunately, the ports haven't been that great. Mm. Uh, let's move on to Nintendo this week announced that there is a new 3DS coming out. And it's not a 3DS. It's a 2DS. They're just releasing a yeah. 2DS XL. So- I guess we now know why I couldn't buy- find any 3DSs around Christmas time and I was looking for one for myself. Yeah. And I got my daughter a 2DS regular one for Christmas. Which, And if you've seen the 2DSs, they're just, they're just like a slab that they don't fold at all. They've got a screen at the top, a screen yeah. at the bottom. They're like an unfolding 3DS, I suppose. And the new 2DS XLs, they do fold. They do have the, the hinge in them. They're basically just a 3DS XL without the 3D, which is, to me, because I've got a 3DS XL, I've never used the 3D on it. So this is potentially the best form factor to be able to play any 3DS games. Yeah. So if you're looking for one, um, mm. there's one coming out. On the fence. Yeah. It's weird. I should, I've already got a Nintendo handheld for the train. I should really put that money towards a PS4 or a lavalier microphone or something yeah, like that. But there's some pretty good games out on the 3DS. It's, it's got a very good mm. library. You can play uh, all your Professor Layton games. You've got those couple of Zeldas, the uh, Fire Emblem. There's a whole bunch of Mario games. Luigi's Mansion was even good. So, yeah, there's, there's plenty of stuff. I'm turning my head looking at my shelf because i've got them over there on the shelf um if i can just pop back to um near automata for a sec yes uh, we should get rid of letting off steam and just read out forum posts because they're infinitely better than <laughs> what ends up on the reviews All so right. are you familiar with the slippery slope uh argument in general i've used in it general, before yeah. yes yeah yeah, yeah yeah like this guy starts like with this price, this Asian pricing thing, he says, get used to it because this is how games are now. And then at the end of it, he's saying everything's going to go up in price and games will only be a luxury for rich people willing to spend $200 on a game. Yeah, of course. People are going to be walking around with their monocles that will be VR-enabled monocles playing their games on their gold-plated machines. 
Mm. So that, you know, I'm sure Square Enix and Activision only want to sell 60 copies of a games to rich people. Yeah. I'm sure that's the end game. <laughs> if only we could sell less Sorry. games. Sorry that I interrupted you, but I saw that and I just thought this is too perfect. No, it's probably good. It's more interesting than, than the 2DS. If you want a 2DS. No, the 2DS is interesting because um, there are good games on that system and I kind of think I should probably I think you should eventually that. get one. And if you were to get one, that's the thing you should get. I don't think I, I mean, I, I bought the new 3DS XL that has the little analog sticks and I haven't used the analog sticks for anything. So uh, I believe this has those analog sticks too. Oh, does it? Oh, well, I thought that yeah. they maybe they may have nixed those because the 2DS doesn't have them. If it doesn't have those, don't worry about it because I haven't really haven't used them for anything. But that's a good machine. I've spent some good, good quality. Oh, you can play Picross 3D too. That's a fun yeah. game. You can play the Puzzle and Dragons. That's a good game. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. See, the, the thing is, is that what I really want to play is Yakuza 0. You can't Persona play that 5, on a 3DS. So you should get a PS4 no. for that, I've heard. Yes. And not a 2D PS4. Get the 3DS one. There was also a rumor I heard during the week that's completely unsubstantiated that there will be a complete PlayStation hardware refresh in 2018, like PlayStation 5 level stuff. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah, but then you're still not going to be able to... Do you, okay. Do you reckon that PlayStation 5, when it comes out, just theorizing... It'll be backwards compatible mm. to all PS4. Uh, I don't think so. Because PS4 was backwards compatible to PS3, I believe. No, it's not. I'm thinking of the Xbox. Mm. I'm incorrect. Yep. So, there's a full informatic we've just done. So, we're getting ahead of ourselves yep. a lot in this podcast. And, you know, you look, you, you take one week off and it goes to shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so, 2DS. Slowly bring the ship back around. Yeah. Uh, so, the next bit of news is something I saw last night and I got a little bit incredulous at the time. That um, oh, I think I was there when you saw you it. You were. I shoved my phone in your face and said, we've got some shit to talk about tomorrow. We do. Um, and Roger Jr., who is the uh, boxing kangaroo mm. from the Tekken series, he yep. has been cut from Tekken 7 because of animal rights activists. And I have the, the quote. The only acceptable situation that this can happen in is if Roger Jr. is now going to become a playable character in the Bloody Raw series. He should be. He should definitely be a secret character. I mean, what the fuck are people thinking? I think it was Peter, wasn't it? If we're going to call out specific, if we're going to call out the people who are actually responsible for this. Uh, I'm not exactly sure because it doesn't really say. So, I'm reading the- there's an article on PC Gamer. So, uh, Katsuro Harada, I've got a quote from him. He was speaking at a press event. He's the executive producer on Tekken. Mm. And his quote is, and I'm going to read it the way it- kind of is written and it i'm pretty sure it's just because it's maybe translated from japanese to english that it might sound a little bit bad there was a video of a man's dog being headlocked by a kangaroo and he punched it in the face it turned into a big problem said harada people were complaining about him punching a kangaroo it seems that in the last few years there's a lot more animal activists even though they probably wouldn't play our game they would still hear about that about a kangaroo in our game being punched and would complain about it so i think it's probably a preemptive thing. I don't think anyone's particularly has complained about it. So maybe it hasn't mm. been because of animal activists. Maybe it's the threat of animal activists. But um, yeah, <laughs> apparently you're not allowed to punch <sighs> kangaroos in video games. Because the weird thing is- Because one bogan on a video did it. Yeah, exactly. But the weird thing is that I believe Kuma the Bear is still going to be in Tekken 7 because, and I quote this- because he is obviously stronger than a human being. So, you can have animals that are stronger than a human being in a video game, but not animals that are weaker in a video game being beaten up by humans. 
So you can't have a cat. So, so you couldn't make a remake of Bloody Roar nowadays because they were all cats and shit that were weaker than so humans. So I live in a place where there are quite a lot of kangaroos. Yeah, yeah. And I would invite Mr. Harada to come to Australia and I will take him and show him the kangaroos and I will invite him to get close to one and see if he thinks that it's still not a scary and imposing and strong animal. No, I wouldn't. I've seen some kangaroos kick some people. I've seen Mm. a little joey kangaroo kick a child. It was actually my niece and we're at a sanctuary and you could walk around and you could feed the little kangaroos and the joeys and the Mm. other animals. And- um. She was getting really close to this kangaroo, and I could just sense that the kangaroo was going to turn at the time. So, just as I went to reach out to grab the back of her jacket and pull her back, the kangaroo also reached out, kind of put both paws on either side of her shoulder and reached up and kicked her in the chest. And just as I yanked back at the same time, so she kind of copped it a little bit, but not as much as she probably- I think she was more scared than anything, and she kind of burst in tears and started being a little bit upset about it. But, yeah, that was a, like, a, oh, shit, I can see this thing's going to turn bad and I know what kangaroos can do. So, um, yeah, apparently animal activism is invading our fighting games. I guess yeah. it's probably okay to have a dinosaur in King of Fighters 14. We might have to do a fully informatic. About animals in fighting games? No. Well, Katsuhiro Hurata has tweeted about this and said, Ha, Peter has not said anything. And I said, we've worries. What are you talking about? So... I don't know, maybe... That they've made the call and not Peter. Yeah. Okay. Weird. The kangaroo's got boxing gloves, for God's sakes. He can defend himself. Maybe we should do what they did in, like, that Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, Kickboxer, and cover the boxing gloves in resin and dip them in, like, glass, and then the kangaroo might have a more there even playing field. Or maybe instead of glass, it's crushed up VB bottles. Yeah, of course. And then can also have a Southern Cross tattoo, and it can drive in on a Monaro... And then maybe yeah. it's even the playing field then. Maybe a HQ king. Actually, no, Monaro probably work. Yeah. Some guy in the comments has said kangaroos are much stronger than human beings. A kangaroo can disembowel a man with a single kick to the abdomen. That's the reason that kangaroo boxing stopped being a thing. So there you go. <laughs> maybe we should start a petition, the opposite one, and it's to bring mm. Roger Jr. back because you're underselling the strength of kangaroos. Mm. Well, there you go. That's news, unless you've got anything else to add this no, week. No, but I, I have a feeling we'll be doing a fully Im- informatic for that. There's a lot of people saying this is a marketing stunt by Namco and Roger was never in Tekken 7 in the Japanese version, but we'll have to do some more investigation, I think. All right. Well, it got me angry. Figure that one out. All of a sudden. So, that means we're going to move on to letting off Steve. <laughs> Oh, I've missed this. Yeah. I should have given you the MP3 of the music so you could have been driving around and listened to nothing but this <sighs> in the car. So... What were you listening to in the car? <laughs> Did you only have uh, the one I CD was... and then that's the only one no, that you know? No, So it depended who was driving. Right, okay. Because we had a car kit for our various phones and MP3 players. Yep. So if it was me, I was listening to gaming podcasts. Yeah. You were listening um, to um, Yakety Sax most of the time. Yeah. If it was my wife... We were listening to her playlist that she made of various bands that she likes. That yep. let's just say I'm they are not within my sphere of musical taste. Yep. But if she got sick of her playlist, we got treated to Savage Garden on CD. So there you go, Savage Garden. And because she's found a way to delete all the radio stations off her radio and hadn't reprogrammed them, we had that Savage Garden CD on the way to the engagement party that you and I went to last night. Yeah, <laughs> as yeah. Well. So I am well familiar with Savage Garden at the moment, to the point where it's just background noise and I can like tune it out, kind of like white noise. Because I was going to say it's 
because of the advent of phones that can hold music and hold vast libraries of music and can connect to cars, you kind of don't have that thing where you're on a trip and you've only got the one cassette or the two cassettes. So you just listen to that mix and that mix of music becomes just ingrained into that journey. Although maybe to you, Savage Garden is going to be ingrained into your trip east. We so, were flying to the moon and back. So whenever you think of Bucken Caves, you'll think of Savage Garden. Mm. I can't remember who drove to the Bucken Caves. I think it might have been me. I'm not sure. <laughs> Bucken Savage Garden. Savage Bucken Garden? I don't know. Something like that. All right. Full informatic. No. Yeah. Letting off steam. The other thing. Yes. That's what <laughs> the music that's playing. We don't even have music yes. for full informatic. All right. You skipped over a whole segment. I there. did. So, letting off steam. Let's go. Yeah, so I saw that everything had come out on Steam. Yeah, I saw that uh, as well. Which I believe that you played. I have. So, I picked everything and a bunch of other games that are in the walking simulator genre. Cool. I'm slowly um, collecting all the trophies in everything on the PS4. And not because I'm playing the game, but sometimes I just put the game on and it plays itself. And I just have it on <laughs> in the background. And you get the trophies. It's amazing. Right. <laughs> It's a brave new paradigm for gaming. <laughs> so the first thing we have is a positive review from Spartanator with 4.2 hours in everything. He calls it Existential Crisis Simulator 2017. Yeah. Especially when you get what into is- the actual um, lecture recordings on it. Right. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Okay. Well, we've also got a similar review from Chewy Waffles, but it's a negative review. He's got 0.2 hours. He says, life's too short to waste trying to figure out why you're playing a game. It is one of those games, though. It makes you think in a deep, dark way about your whole life. All right, okay. So I picked Proteus as my next game, which is a similar game, uh, sort of lower graphical fidelity. Um, you There's an island, you swim to it, and there's stones, and something makes them move around, and you, but you're not quite sure what. And you walk around and look at things, and there's a frog that hops up and down. Yep. Um, so we have a positive Proteus review from Levry Bobby Orr with 214 hours in Proteus, which is impressive. I didn't think the game was that long. Mm. And he says, I played this for four days straight. Help me. <laughs> <laughs> um, we follow up with a negative review from someone simply called 12 uh, with 0.6 hours. <laughs> and he says, no one has been high enough to play this game. <laughs> um... So then I picked Dear Esther as the next game, which oh, yeah, yeah. shares some similarities with, uh, what was that other one we looked at? Stories Untold. But Stories Untold at least has you do things and solve mm. puzzles. Dear Esther just walks you just around, around. Walk around. It's very pretty and it narrates things at you yeah, and yeah. something terrible has happened. And yeah. So we got a positive review from Overlord Tamala, 1.5 hours, and his review is, did I win? And having finished Dear Esther and finding out what the game is actually about and what happens at the end, I, I'm i not going to say I had the same thought, but it's like, this is the good ending, right? <laughs> I did everything right. Um, then we have a negative review from Nazi. Not Nazis, but just a Nazi. Oh, no, just one of them who likes playing games. Yep. With 0.4 hours. Mm-hmm. He says, literally all you do in this game is walk at like two miles an hour. This is barely a game. Give me my money back, you degenerate hipsters. I bet whoever made this lives in Washington or something. Wow. Some political ass shit going on in there. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's throwing some shade on Washington there. <laughs> That's letting off steam. Walking simulator edition. All right. Uh, we're going to go on to our second episode of our new segment. We skipped last week because we technically weren't here. But this mm. is the segment titled... Is Grand Theft Auto 5 still in Australia's top 10 selling games of the week? 
And this so is, this means there's more chance of it not being in there because it's been longer. Because I haven't found the drum roll music yet, I'm just going to do this again. <laughs> All right. All right. Is Grand Theft Auto V one of Australia's top-selling games of the week, ending 27th of April 2017? Anthony. Yes. All right. Let's move on to full informatic. <laughs> full informatic. Hmm. In last God, episode, it looks long this week. It is, but only because I did a bunch of wrong things in the question and answer episode, which I noticed I while I was editing I think we both did, didn't we? Uh, yeah, yeah. We both did it. There's only two here, I think. Uh, in the last episode, I referred to one of Rikishi's moves as the stink ass, when we all know that it's actually the stink face, that WWE move where Rikishi would stick his ass in somebody's face and jiggle it around. You better pray that Rikishi doesn't come around and give you a stink face. I knew the second I said it that I said it wrong, but then in the heat of things, I couldn't think of the right word. But it was called the stink face. All right, and then we were talking about fighting games, and I was talking about how if you're going to add good fighting game netcode into your game, make sure it's the good shit and not the bad shit. I called that good netcode GPG, whereas you corrected me to a GPIO and mm. it's neither of those things, turns out. GPIO is the general purpose input-output port on yes. the Raspberry Pi. And, uh, GPG is an encryption system. <laughs> so uh, we're kind of useless in this. So uh, the name of the netcode middleware, as used by fighting games like Street Fighter 3, Third Strike Online, Skullgirls, Marvel vs. Capcom Origins, Dark Side, uh, sorry, Dark Stalkers Resurrection, Dive Kick, Killer Instinct, Lethal League, Injustice 2. It's actually GGPO. Thank God Dive Kick uses it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Street Fighter 3, Third Stroke Online, Dive Kick, Killer Instinct, uh, they're all Iron Galaxy joints. So they know their shit when it comes to fighting games and know their shit when it comes to netcode. Well, they're just saying we don't really want to have to worry about the netcode. So let's just use this thing that we know works. Yeah. And it's really good netcode. It's pretty low, near zero latency. Anyways, as zero as you mm. can get for netcode. There you go. That wasn't that bad. Okay. Full informatic. There's yeah. only a couple of things. One or two. Then we've got releases of the week. What do you got for releases yeah. of the week? Well, Dawn of War 3's out, but apparently it's bad. So. I heard you say that last night. I'm not sure. That's unfortunate. Yes. I liked a bit um, of Dawn of War. Yeah. I sort of liked one more than I liked two. Yep. Uh, but yeah, Dawn of War was still a well, Actually, I play it every now and then. Well, at least the first one I play every now and then. It's still a good game. Yeah. Maybe they're just getting worse as they're going along. The first one was well, good. Well, there Second is that thought. Right. This is the, their next game after Company of Heroes 2, which was also apparently not that good. Oh, maybe they should be spending some more time on it, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Their thought was that they had changed the gameplay to try to appeal to esports. Ah. And um, good old esports. as a result, it's not sort of a really a very good game. But that might just be people talking crap. Who but, knows? You know, it could be as well. I mean, that's like Street Fighter Five is still, whilst being a kind of a solid game, I think it's lacking a little bit of... Just the weird brokenness that is possibly in all the other games, just probably because it, it is a little bit, you know, aimed at the esports, e fighting. Everything has to be kind of right and buttoned down and fair. Yeah, can't have any of that janky shit in sports nowadays. Can't have people shooting rocket launchers as they get off Sky Rangers. <laughs> yeah, imagine a an original XCOM esport league. Um. Yeah, there kind of is. There'd be some the, red flags on those plays. You kind of get into like the weird world of like if you look at things like so Binding of Isaac has Boiler or Binding of Isaac League Racing. There's sort of no official way in the game to esport it, but people have figured out a way 
to compete with each other in a single player game. Oh, right, okay. And Spelunky has the daily challenge, but beyond that, if you look at the actual speedruns for Spelunky, there's like all these categories like percentage of items, raw speed, percentage of completion, and all this sort of other like really intricate world record categories that people have built themselves above and beyond and then built websites to kind of track all of it. Yeah, yeah. So people will esport your game <laughs> if they think that it's fun. Yeah. They, they won't esport it if you put esports stuff in there. Yeah. Or if they think that there is an appropriate level of skill that needs to be attained to play it. The audience has to find the game. You, you don't go out there and make yourself an audience. Yeah, unless you're Blizzard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they can just do whatever they want, it seems. Hmm. Uh, what else? There was uh, Scanner Sombre. Scanner Sombre. Sombre. Yep. There will probably be a video of that up later in the week but I thought we'd put Strafe up on Monday because it comes out in seven days or so. So yeah. people might want to have a look at that one first. Cool. And then there was Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is fun. We've been playing it. I wonder if mm. we can play together, if you can ever get online in the right If fashion. I can ever get online. I wonder if it's just general, like you just throw your hat into the worldwide realm or I can say, hey, I want to race Anthony and a bunch of other people. Uh, I've read that you're okay playing against your friends, but if you try to play with your friends against other people, that's apparently a bit hard. All right. Well, yeah. maybe we should try it out. Maybe. Well, actually, I was going to say maybe we'd do a video for it, but Nintendo would probably content idea. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? We'll try it out. Mm. That's it for the releases of the week. Coming up on the site, we have our strafe, play everything. Yep video we've got this podcast will be coming out well it'll be tuesday if you're listening to this and you're listening to it on the release day then i'll attempt to do another friday night fights i wanted to play wacko wacko 7 for the last two weeks and haven't got <laughs> to it so um we'll see if we can get that running uh anything else this might be happening this week the um scanner sombre yeah, Scanner Sombre, we might get back to the Midnight Games Club and uh, there might be some activity on the semi-informatic Beefalo Ranch. Oh, uh, cool. If I can wrangle my wife into getting back into that again. She's gotten back into Terraria lately, so okay. that's consuming all non-Spelunky-related time. Yeah, and I was- She tends to just go hard into games when she gets into them, like Spelunky is sort of her perennial, come home from work, put the water on for dinner. Just want to relax. Do the Spelunky daily challenge. Then after dinner, if she's not watching TV, whatever she's into at that time. Yeah. So she was into Stardew Valley real hard, and then she went off that and went into something else. And then I showed her a video of Dan Reichert getting back into his old Stardew Valley. Oh, right. <laughs> save and she got angry at how bad he was at the game and so, so loaded her own game up and started playing is it like animal crossing where there are weeds everywhere all the time oh uh, no you just sort of pick it up where you left off yeah yeah okay i think that's gonna do it for today mm. welcome back it's good to have you back thank you it's good to be back yes uh if you have any questions or comments please send them in to semicast at semi-informatic.com anthony will answer any questions about the east of victoria uh, mm-hmm. Or you can send us a message on Twitter. You can find us at CME Informatic. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, where you can also find past episodes. You can also find past episodes on the site, semiinformatic.com, where you'll find all of our other videos and things where you'll be able to see the strafe and you'll be able to see that sombre. What's it called? Scanner sombre. Scanner sombre. So quickly I forget. Mm. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We really love that you love doing what we love. No, that didn't work. It did. Did it? Everything works. All right. Fair enough. We'll see you next week. Just remember, because I'm not going to hand fist it this time, we love that you love doing what you love. See you later. See ya. See ya.